Notes from the Upper West Side, a novel by Dan Wrench. Chapter 121, Puissance. If I thought I needed to measure everything in my life with one of those slide rules that has tiny gradations on it and symbols you only see in photos of Einstein's blackboard, my brain would have overloaded thinking about how weird it was the Majelko job was paying off right at that exact moment. But see, I don't have a big logic stick in my ass. Visit PARP if you're in the mood for that visual. For me, stuff doesn't always have to make sense. Aristotle does not need to approve. There can be these times when the math does not add up. You know, reality's weird roving maggots that Mulder and Scully could have shown flashlights on. I'm pretty sure that's been proven by quantum mechanics. And if it hasn't, just wait a decade. I was going to appear on the packaging of a major consumer product just as I needed a prestige injection, and that meant I'd be going back to the tobacco shop with balls so big I'd have to ship them separately. Did it have to make sense? No, sir. It did not. Pedusa? Bartender? Failure? Fuck it, my face is out there, ass humps. Hey, Cammy, if I get some free time, I'll swing by and you can tell me how much you miss your daddy's schlong chow. Hey, Fonda, need a ride? I got your ride right here. Like I said in that last chapter, I felt like an idiot later. But back then, I was Batman surveying Gotham from the highest ledge in the tallest skyscraper. One night, I lay in bed and stared at the ceiling lit by the wash of light that came through the window from the street. My head was resting in my hands. I bet I was grinning. I was a few minutes into that reverie when I looked over at Junior and saw she was staring at me. When she could see me seeing her, she just smiled and rolled over like she knew what was going through my head. And whatever it was she thought she saw, it made her happy. Or content. Or ready to pounce. Or whatever else would make her smile. So even without the nipple-hardening charisma that comes from having your face out there, I was eager to get back to Whispers on 6th, eager cubed. The next day, I was free to go again. It was Thursday night, my night off. Just a few weeks ago, Junior would have beaten me with the leash if I spent my night off doing anything other than telling the boys to be careful with shears or reading to them from the dictionary. But like I said, in that last chapter, or maybe two chapters back, she had morphed into the ideal wife in every sense, except one, ever since the day the rat came in and the boys chased it. There was something about the rat affair 
that had given the wife a large and constant dose of introspection. An introspection drip. Or maybe it was more like electroshock therapy to her personality. You know what? It was like both. An electroshock drip. But to this day, I wonder about the exact logistics of the rat's effect on the wife's mind. Did news of the rat's incursion make her feel extra protective of the boys? Did it make her think we needed to do a better job of keeping out filth and danger? Or was it more symbolic? Did it remind her that life is short, so why not take black and white pictures of fat lady vaginas? Maybe it was some insight she had from Wayne, her therapist. Like I said, to this day, I'm clueless when it comes to the Rat Junior Wayne complex. But something about Junior's musings on the Rat had turned her from high-strung and vindictive to weirdly relaxed and enjoyable. So the next trip to Whispers on 6th was an easy escape from my normal routine. When I got to the store, I saw Cammie was there. Christ, I thought, like I need this. When I walked into the back room, everyone was all smiles. There was some new chick out in the retail space, so Fonda was back in the old tobacco factory, working at a bench with Bang and Cammy, and another girl named Janet and a guy named Squire who Whispers called Squirt. Unfortunately for Squire, once Whispers started calling him Squirt, so did everyone else, including Bang, who made it Little Squirt. Hey, Paul, this is Janet's boyfriend, the Little Squirt. I called him Squire. Some of us, grown-ups. I kind of ignored Cammie. Well, not right at first. We were cordial. She said hi, like it was the first time we were seeing each other since the shoot. Like she'd never swallowed my big bullshit cock. Like she'd never sat on my face and commanded me to eat her ass. Hi, like we were colleagues or something. She was wearing this red sleeveless blouse with a low V and fluffy red embroidery on the front. Hi, like I'd never seen her tits. She wore a black skirt that went almost to her knees and had bare legs. She looked partly professional and partly like a little girl who wanted her daddy's dick. But daddy found out what a whore she was and didn't care about her anymore. Then right after we said, hi, I said something like, hey, how's it going? We kind of started ignoring each other. Everyone else was oblivious to the big ignore, since nobody knew about the two of us seeing each other naked and almost fucking twice. So life and chatter just went on as normal in the belly of 6th Avenue. It was okay, meaning not awkward, because I was a busy man. My main business was the assembly line. Bang was wailing, Hey Paul, we doing this right? This what you meant? Like I was Eli Whitney and he was trying to figure out the cotton gin. So I was busy with that and couldn't pay attention to yesterday's snatch. You know, 
at least that's how I let on. I was also a man with other prospects, namely Cynthia and Mallory. Remember Mallory? The other dancing stripper at Viters on the second day of shooting little round Jewish hat? A chick who might have gobbled my cock if Cynthia hadn't blocked her? Bang told me they would both be down at the shop on the weekend. Boom, I thought. I'll concoct a gotta-go excuse and flash to Midtown for some weekend yucks. And unlike a week ago, when I came in here and almost left immediately because Bobby was treating me like a deadbeat, now I was some big cool cat purring in his head. I gave him the remaining 40 bucks as soon as I got to the store and that simple act transformed me into a mensch. Now he could talk to me without having to tell himself constantly I'm this asshole lying to chicks about my showbiz clout. Maybe clout isn't the right word. There's some other word the pretentious types use that means something like clout. It would be pretty appropriate to use that word right now, but I forget what it is. Notes from the Upper West Side is a work of fiction. The people depicted in this work do not exist. Notes from the Upper West Side, copyright 2023 by Dan Wrench.